Um, tonight's the overall theme of what I'll be preaching about and teaching on is going to be identity. But this this might be the last time you hear those words, identity. But I want us to grab a hold of the fact that that is what I, that's the basis of what I'm preaching on. Identity. That is such an important theme. What we believe about ourselves is ridiculously important. How we see ourselves, unbelievably important. What we choose to grab a hold of and to believe about what Jesus Christ says about us, it can't be stated enough. We've we've preached on identity before. We've talked multiple times, many times, and rightly so, that when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven came and the Father spoke identity. This is my Son. Whom I love. In Him, I am well pleased. This is my Son. Identity. The first words spoken out of the Father's mouth. Identity. This, that's my Son. This is my Son. Whom I love. Affection. In Him, I'm well pleased. Pleasure. How many sermons? How many mountainside Treks had Jesus made and, and how many thousands had he preached to up to that point? How many? Zero. He hadn't preached a sermon. There was no sermon on the mount. He hadn't preached a sermon yet. How many miracles had Jesus performed up to that time? How many people had he healed? What were the miraculous accounts of Jesus' ministry prior to that time? None. The Father didn't declare those things based on what the Son had done. I remind us of these things because God is faithful. And He makes the same declarations over us. Also, not based on what we do for Him. And if, you, if you've been to this church and all of you listen to our messages online, we are a church who believes in doing. We are a church who believes in being. I've preached it a lot lately. That the way we express our love for the Lord is through devotion. That comes through acts. We can't just merely say we love Him without any action. So we're a church that believes in doing. But that is not what earns the Father's identity over us. It's already been earned through the completed work of Jesus Christ. Through the completed work. So when He looks and goes, Oh, she's mine. That's my girl. That's my girl. Everything I own is hers. That's, that's my boy. My guy. It's through the completed work of Jesus. We have got to grab a hold of that. In a second, I'm going to show a picture of a person that is known to all of us by, by three words. Three, three descriptors. Not just to describe this girl's name. It's a girl. Actually, two girls, you'll see. Not just to describe her name, but three words that describe who she is descriptors of who this person is. What are the three words that this girl, both the 1982 version and the 2014 version, what are the three words that this girl is known by? Little Orphan Annie. For young people in the room, how many don't know who the one on the left is? The red-headed, curly one. How many guys go, I don't know who she is? That, that's when I think of Little Orphan Annie, that's who I know her to be. Little 
orphan Annie. But the craziest thing is, she's not an orphan. If if you're familiar with one of the two movies, or the TV miniseries that came out at some point, or the Broadway musical, if you're familiar with that account of Annie, then it all ends the same way. In those movies, Oliver Warbucks, or Jamie Foxx's Will Stacks, in 2014, does what? Adopts her. At the end of the movie, little orphan Annie just becomes Annie. Annie Warbucks. Annie Stacks. She becomes adopted. How do you think Daddy Warbucks or Daddy Stacks would feel if he's introducing his daughter to a friend, to an associate, to a stranger and says, come here, sweetie, come here. I want you to meet my daughter. This is Annie. This is my pride and joy. Annie, this is so-and-so. And she goes, little orphan Annie, good to meet you. Uh, no, um, sweetie, you're, you're not an orphan anymore. Everything I own, and if we're familiar with the story, both dads in both versions own a lot. Everything I own is yours. You're my daughter. When I, when I die, this is all yours, but as I live, this is all yours. You're, you're not an, you're not an orphan, sweetie. You're, you're mine. You're my kid. You don't go to bed alone anymore. You don't wake up alone. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be despondent. You don't have to go through life with despair. You're mine. You're adopted. You bear my name. It's not just Annie either. It's Annie, daughter of mine. Annie Warbucks. Annie Stacks. How confusing would that be to the person that she's being introduced to if her reply was then in conflict to what her father just described her as? And she goes, I'm little orphan Annie. How confusing is that to Annie to think of herself in those terms. How hurtful would that be to her father to know that she still sees herself as orphaned? Probably about as confusing to others or as hurtful to our God when we as children of God who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ adopted by our Heavenly Father say these words to somebody in describing ourselves. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. To some of you, those words might be precious. I believe to our Father, those words are are insulting. If you have trusted your life and believed in Jesus Christ, Yes, you are saved. But you are not just a sinner saved by grace. 
What? Mark, you're moving our cheese. You're messing with us. You're using a term that I have sang, that I have clung to, that I learned as a child, that I sang in hymns. When we make those statements, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner saved by Christ. It goes against the completed work of Jesus Christ. I thank God every single day that I am saved. Every day. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for my salvation, Lord. Thank you that I am renewed. That, that my life is not my own. That my life is yours. But saying that we are just sinners saved by grace is only half the gospel. Saying we're sinners saved by grace is only half the gospel. I once was lost but now I'm still pretty lost I'm still an old wretch I'm still blind in fact I'm blinder and I'm a no good wretch I'm a no good dirty dog if we believe that that's the extent of the descriptor to describe us then we're missing the boat friends if that's how we describe ourselves to a lost and hurting world and that's the best we have to offer them, that's a confusing gospel we're declaring. What's our testimony? That's our testimony? That's the best claim we have to offer? It's true that in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, our sins have been wiped away. Our sins are forgiven. We are forgiven. But let's not forget the second half of the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only does He forgive us our sins, He regenerates our life. He gives us new growth. He takes things in our life that all represented death and despair and hopelessness and being an orphan, being without He takes those things and He regenerates them. He brings new life out of something that was dead and now it's life. Where I had despair, now I have hope. Where I go to bed lonely, I am promised that I will never be alone. And He gives me His presence that is instantly available to me at any time I can call upon the name of the Lord. Where I had sorrow, He gives joy Joy that defies circumstances. Peace that defies circumstances. So that we can actually go through storms with our head on His lap going, Lord, wake me wake me when the sun rises. You'll carry me through the night. That's unbelievable. That's the second half of that testimony. Not just what we were delivered from, but what we are delivered into. It is not enough to tell what we were delivered from. If I share my testimony and I only share what I was delivered from, that's half the story. And it's quite boring, to be honest with you. Okay, that's awesome. You've told me a lot of really heavy stuff. What about now? What's what's the benefit of having Jesus Christ in your life right now? That we need to be quick to include in our testimony. So what's wrong with saying that we are just 
a sinner saved by grace. I got two things. Number one, it's not in the Word. That phrase is not in the Word of God. It's just not. Saved by grace is in the Word. It's in Ephesians. We're going to read it in a second. But just a sinner saved by grace, not in the Word. As best as I can ascertain, in the early 1900s, there was a song written by a guy named James Martin Gray in 1905 that was called, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. Then the Gaither family, at some point, I'm thinking, I couldn't find the copyright date, I think it was probably mid-80s, but the Gaither's been singing since the 50s. At some point, Bill and Gloria Gaither took that theme of only a sinner saved by grace and they wrote a song called Just a Sinner Saved by Grace. You see what they did there? They took the word only and just and they just switched them. Same message. I pulled up that song just and I thought about playing it tonight. I, I even showed it to Karen. I'm like, I showed her a 30 second clip and it was painful. And I'm like, should I show it? She's like, no, because, you know, people might think you're making fun of them. And it was, you know, they're a sweet, godly couple that sang some awesome songs. And Elvis covered some of their, you know, some of their songs. And so I chose not to. But I encourage you, Google the Gaither vocal bands and A Sinner Saved by Grace. And it's painful. And Bill Gaither, God bless him, he says, if you could have seen me then and what I've become today, just an old sinner saved by grace. Friends, that, that better not be the best we have to offer this world as part of our testimony. The other part of that phrase that I don't like is the word just. We are not just anything. We are not just anything. You are not just a sinner. You are not just an orphan. You are not just a widow, a widower. You are not just a blank. We're not defined by our past. That is not how we are seen by our Heavenly Father. We are not defined by our past. I'm just an old gangbanger. I'm just an old drug dealer. I'm just an old thief. I'm just an old whatever. That is not who we are. After the NFC Championship game, that incredible comeback by the Seattle Seahawks, when they interviewed Russell Wilson, he didn't, they didn't, you know, they asked him questions like, after this game, have you finally made it to the, to the upper echelon, you know, uh, of quarterbacks? Do you finally feel like you belong? He didn't say, well, I'm just a seventh grade quarterback who lost the championship game against MacArthur Middle School because I, you know what he said? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good all the time. God is so good. That's all he could just keep saying. And you know what? Two weeks later when they lost the Super Bowl and that last pass didn't get completed, it didn't change his declaration of who God is. God is so good. God is so good. God is good all the time. When given the opportunity to share who we are, it's a mistake if, if the message we're sending is only based on who we were. If you have believed in Jesus, 
repented of your sin, declared Him your Lord and Savior, then you are adopted as an heir of God. That word is son of God. And friends, there's, there's male sons and female sons. The word son denotes inheritance. Sonship, inheritance. So women, you're just a, you're a female son. But you, trust me, you have the inheritance. Everything available to your father is yours. Men, you're, you're male sons. You are redeemed. You have new life. And you aren't just anything. In fact, the Word of God says that you are now more than. You are more than. So to walk around agreeing with the statement that I am just anything that defined my past, friends, is insulting to our King of Kings. I am not just a sinner saved by grace. I am a child of God. I am an heir. I have Jesus in me and with me and leading me. And I am found in Him. My identity is not in where I was, but, but where I'm going. And I live my life based on where I'm going. Where I am now, with Him, in Him. Ephesians 2, 4-7 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, God cares about the ages to come. God cares about being glorified and people knowing about His greatness. He cares about it. God raises us up. He doesn't beat us down. That's what this word just says. He raises us up. He doesn't beat us down. It's the enemy that wants us focused on what we were yesterday because that tears us down. That puts our sights in something low and temporal and forgiven. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. It just says it here. By grace you've been saved. And now again in verse 8. By grace you have been saved. This is the two times in the Bible that phrase is used together. And nowhere does it say you're just a dirty old dog. Just a sinner. That's not a prefix to this. You have been saved by grace. Through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. So that we would walk in them. We are the workmanship of God. But we're the workmanship of God? What does that mean? What does that mean? Workmanship is defined as this. It's a noun. And you can see, because of the E that's upside down and backwards, that I got this from the internet. And, and this little screenshot. The degree of skill with which a product is made or a job done. The degree of skill with which a product is made or a job done. 
And we are the workmanship of whom? Of God. Okay, the very next definition, it gives an example of workmanship. And it says, cracks on the bridge girders were caused by poor workmanship. Friends, if we are just sinners, saved by grace and nothing more, that does not accurately represent the workmanship of our God. As a matter of fact, it just shows the brokenness in the girders. It shows a bridge that's iffy at best. We are the workmanship. The work of God evident in our life. His skill, His artistry, His craftsmanship, His creativity, His talent displayed in us. The part of our testimony that will encourage others to follow Jesus Christ is saying what what He's taken us through and into and who we are now. The Bible tells us that God actually wants our good works to be seen so that the Father might be glorified. See, we get this this skewed mindset that goes, oh, I've got to have this like uber, you know, humility and I, I can't, no one can see my good works. That's bull. That's not scriptural. Don't be haughty about it. Don't be proud. But the workmanship of God is to be displayed for the world to see. When someone goes, Kristen, what is different about you? I haven't seen you in six years. I haven't seen you since back in the day. What is different about you? She's like, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. And, and you can see a difference in me. And you're right. I'm different. I'm not the same. This is who God is. And we talk about the work of Jesus Christ in our life. And, and His craftsmanship, His workmanship is seen. Did you see in, in that scripture in Ephesians, that scripture, where we are found? Where we are now found? It says, I once was lost and now I'm found. That's part of amazing grace. Where are we now found? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus is where we're to be found. And that's a pretty powerful place, especially when we know where Jesus is right now. The Word tells us He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we are found in Him. Why is Jesus seated? Why is He seated at the right hand of the Father? Because the work's done. Because He said it's finished. The work's done. It's finished. Agree with it. Believe in it. Follow me. The work's done. I'm going to have a seat. At the end of this night, when I'm done preaching, I'm going to have a seat. Why? Because I'm done. No more work to be done. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of completion. And we are found in Him. When we place our trust in Jesus, when we believe in Him, when we make Him Lord of our lives, we are found in that same place of completion. Friends, that is not hyperbole. That is not some glorious hope. That is truth. That is what the Word of God tells us. If you are still very much bothered by my declaration that you are not a sinner saved by grace, you are not just a sinner, and you are still wanting... If you want to fight, where's your proof? Where's your scriptural proof that says that? 
where Jesus uses that term to describe you, where the Father uses that term to describe you. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There you go. There you go. We're all glory faller shorters. Standard shorters. We're all glory faller shorters. That's what it says right there in verse 23. Really? Let's keep reading. Verse 24. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ. Or actually Christ Jesus. When He freed us from the penalty of our sins. If we are freed from death, why would we ever associate ourselves again with death? If I've been freed from death, why would I associate myself with that? 2 Corinthians 15 and 16 says, And He died for all, so that they who might live no longer live for themselves but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now, we know Him in this way no longer. Twice, Paul uses the phrase, no longer. No longer. Friends, there has to be a no longer in our lives. There has to be a no longer in our lives. There has to be a no longer that we live for ourselves. There has to be a no longer that we identify ourselves with the things of the past. There's gotta be, there's gotta be no longers in our life. No longer. No longer. If you have given your life to Christ again, if you've given your life to Christ before and, and you just had a rough, sinful week, Rough, sinful week, man. I don't even know how to describe it. Preachers will only uh, confess to traffic sins. That's it. I got mad in traffic. If I had a rough week of sin, I don't have to come into this place and give my life to the Lord again. I don't have to get readopted all over again. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. My father's not going to turn his back on me because I had a rough week of sin what I have to do though is know who I am and the access I have to the Father and to say Lord you know what I've done but I'm going to tell you anyway and Lord I confess to you and Lord I repent and repentance is this beautiful word that means to rethink that's what it means That's that, honestly guys look it up it means to rethink Lord and I repent my actions have been this Lord God and I'm I know that that's not your heart, that's not your mind. And I I change my mind to agree with you and I turn from that and I repent. And I believe you're right. And I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I, I believe I'm forgiven. And so now that by confessing and repenting, any hint of a barrier between you and I are gone because I know I have free access. So I, I, I receive it, I lay claim to it. And Lord, I agree with you, and I believe you, and I'm going to walk with you. I do that all the time. I'm not going to rededicate my life to the Lord. How often would I have to rededicate my life to the Lord if I did it every time I sinned or had a rough week? A lot. We don't do that. If you walked in here as a son, believe that you are a son. We're no longer dead because of sin. We no longer live for ourselves. 
we no longer regard Christ just from a worldly point of view. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. All things have become new. 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 You don't have the right to think your sin is so unique that that it's beyond the newness of God through the work of Jesus Christ. God's reconciliation of the world to himself made possible through the sacrifice of his son. 2 Corinthians 5 closes out with these words in verse 21. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of God in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? You and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. I said it before, we find ourselves in Christ. And now we're we're seeing these words that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Friends, as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, we do not hold our heads down in shame and uncertainty and fear. Timid, going, I, I can't come before the Lord. I can't come before the Father. I, I I know I know what I've done. Well, so does the Father, and that's why He sent His Son Jesus to pay the price. What this phrase, the righteousness of God in Christ, what it means is this: this is the the purest definition. When we stand before the Father, all the Father sees is the Son. That's what this means. The righteousness of God in Christ. When we stand before the Father, He doesn't see any sin. He doesn't. He sees the Son. He sees the righteousness of the Son. The completed work of the Son. So that's why we can come boldly before the throne of God. Because when He sees us, He doesn't see what we see when we look in the mirror. And I'm flawed and and I sin and I blow it. The Father goes, beauty, righteousness. He sees the completed work of the Son. That's what that means, friends. And we can't have it both ways. We can't be just a sinner and the righteousness of God in Christ. We can't be both. One minimizes the work. One shows the fulfillment of it. And the righteousness of God in Christ is not about us. It's not about our works. It's not about our church attendance. It's not about 
the good things we do. And if you rarely come to church, the good news is it's not about church attendance. And if you rarely do good things, it's not about the good things you do. The righteousness of God in Christ is about Jesus Christ and the completed work. Remember, he's sitting. And we find ourselves where? In him. It's in the words. We find ourselves in him. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Friends, if we're going to be bold witnesses through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, let's make sure that we're saying the correct truth. Let's make sure that we're boldly telling the world the truth. of an awesome God, of an awesome Savior, of a freedom that we find in Him that defies any death, of a life that we can walk in that is so amazing, it might be hard to believe. So experience it for yourself and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Put your trust in Him. If we're going to be bold witnesses to the world, let's make sure we're bringing the right gospel, not half of it or a third of it, but all of it. Let's let's put our content on our testimony, which is so powerful. Let's put the emphasis on the right part. Who we are now. Not just who we were. Who we are now. Who God is in us. Remembering that the greatest part of our testimony is boldly declaring what we have been delivered into. Into. I've been delivered into life. I've been delivered into grace. I've been delivered into freedom no longer bound, no longer hostage, no longer captive. I've been delivered into freedom. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now, but now, can I tell you about now? Can I tell you about now? Can I tell you about the freedoms I have now? I once was lost, but now I'm found. And I'm found in Him. I'm found in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Our God is awesome. And our testimony is awesome. Let's make sure that our proclamation of the goodness of our God is complete. Amen? Let's pray.